This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. All right, so before we dive into our main topic this week, uh, our last episode was about the new 2018 MacBooks. And I think we kind of ended the episode um, discussing the kind of throttle gate thermal issues that were going on. Um, I was quite reluctant to kind of dive one way or the other as to a conclusion. Um, so I think, I think if memory serves, we left it quite open. And the idea was, is that we released the episode on a Tuesday last week. Um, basically, as soon as the edit was ready, we'd normally hold it until a Thursday. But we thought, right, this is kind of maybe like a time sensitive topic. So we hit we hit it on Tuesday. Um, and then literally within about three hours, <laughs> news broke <laughs> that they'd fixed it. So I think our podcast was possibly relevant for maybe all of three or four hours. But um, but the good these news is... These things happen. Yeah, these things, these things happen. But it seems there's a fix, right? Specifically, um, just trying to kind of turn my head here and read the read my screen. Apple discovered that there was a missing digital key in the MacBook Pro firmware that impacted thermal management system which resulted in it driving down speeds under heavy thermal loads. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of like problem solved, right? It seems that all the people that were uh, involved in the in you know doing all the benchmarking, the YouTubers, all that kind of stuff, all the videos I've seen that have come out since all seem to say more or less, yeah, it it it's better. So, I guess that's yeah. a, a pretty good result. I still feel a little bit like, well, you know, these machines, yes, you fix this issue, but they're still thermally limited nevertheless. Yes. I mean, you try and crank that i9 up for a sustained period of time, it is obviously going to throttle sooner or later, um, throw in a GPU that's running hot as well. Also, one thing I think we kind of said last week, I can't remember how, if we did exactly say it or not, but I was certainly under the impression last week that if you're running an eGPU, then the in then the discrete graphics card in like say the 15 inch would shut off and just hand it all over to the eGPU um yeah i think they kind of run in tandem oh um, so it's possible that even if you have an eGPU in the gpu inside inside your macbook could still be running in, in addition to your cpu which could then maybe kind of have an impact on the on the thermal throttling as well so obviously if, you, if you've got a right. gpu running hot in there as well that's going to kind of ex- exacerbate the, the cpu throttling so, so an eGPU doesn't let you off the hook necessarily. In terms Not of necessarily. Heat. I think again, it might be application um, specific. I think we were talking about um, is it Cinema 4D? Yes. Um, so I think yeah. kind of like the GPUs go into like a pool of GPUs that the application can use. Okay. So, so in that case, it could use the internal one and the external one, just kind of divvy up the screen or whatever's being rendered. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that was uh, just a little tidbit that I kind of had in my head as one thing and was actually the other. <laughs> so <laughs> just thought I'd get clear the air just in case I did say no, something stupid last week. That's um, interesting. I, I wasn't aware of, of of that potential, and I, I imagine it, like you say, it's going to be application specific. So it, it depends on whether the applications are going to let you tweak things to sort of say, hey, no, only work on this specific GPU or not. Yeah. Um, if it's OS level, then that's even worse because that sort of means, well, you don't get a say in it, you know. Um, but in any case, I guess it's something to just keep an eye on uh, if, if you're the sort of pro user that's going to be running an eGPU and, and kind of cranking everything. Mm. There's perhaps a point as long as things stay stable, 
and the workload is on the eGPU correctly, well, perhaps it doesn't matter at that point because you've essentially sat it down on a desk and it's it's going to go hell for leather and, and get as hot as it needs to get um, it's, as long as it sort of manages that that top end properly in terms of what the CPU is doing as well. Uh, which looking at the the graphs I'm seeing here um, on this Mac Rumors article, it kind of looks like uh, the updates smoothed everything out quite well. Yeah, you yeah, know, it that, seems like that's, had a desired effect. Yeah, uh, it's just such a shame that they didn't manage to sort of get this before they were out the door. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the um, what's the quote here? It sort of says, after the patch, it's more like it's 20% faster um, in comparison to last year's model. And that's, that's um, you know, something that would have been nice to just sort of have on on release day i think for them yeah it's uh it's a shame because i think these are actually good machines overall i think there's still potential flaws as we were discussing and and it still feels to me like the jury's out on on what the keyboards are up to um i think that's more of a case of well let's check back in a few more months and see how they're sort of faring under stress and strain in real life use Mm, Um, i did see someone like basically empty a bag of crisps on the keyboard (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I guess if it can uh, withstand that, it kind of bodes well. But yeah, I think, yeah, time will tell on that one. Yeah. Um, don't open bags of crisps over your laptop, by the way, if you're thinking about it. Um, or or, I, I or did, chips if you're in America. I did do like, I just cringed when I saw that. I was like, oh no, 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 don't do that. But then. But it was still okay. I think so. But even that, even that isn't going to be the same as like, real world with lots of dust and things that accumulate over months and months of use is it no i don't know i think my position remains mostly the same as last week in that these are great machines for on the go but i think if you are kind of really demanding the performance that these machines are kind of alluding that they can provide in bursts but you kind of need that performance all the time i still think you should maybe not be looking at a laptop as a solution but that's just that's just my two cents for what it's worth Okay, so this week uh, we're going to talk about the um, GUI versus command line debate that we kind of settled into a couple of weeks back, I think, now, Dave. Um, We started discussing a few things. We ended up down a bit of a path sort of comparing um, command line tools versus everything else. And I think this is something that uh, we're almost at opposite ends of the scale on in some ways, and then perhaps not in others. Um, so I'm kind of interested, really, to just sort of find out a little bit more about where where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, I suppose in the abstract is that I use the command line, but I don't really, really like it that much. Um, I think, and I kind of alluded to this a couple of weeks ago when we sort of fell down that rabbit hole momentarily. <laughs> you thankfully pulled us out of it. But um, I think for me, it kind of goes against what I think a computer should be. Um, now, think maybe the context in which i use the command line for me is better suited to a gui versus maybe what others use a command line for but but first i think just let, let me explain why i don't like it i mean obviously the the obvious thing is that it's just something else more stuff i have to remember i have to remember commands and i've already got quite enough to remember just in life in general <laughs> aside <laughs> from my development and sort of computing and i find that sometimes if i don't use a thing for a while when I jump back into it, I'm kind of like, it's, it's just like friction. It's like a hurdle. I'm like, oh, damn it, what was that thing? I've forgotten. I have to go off like Googling or, or, or whatever. 
but I think the biggest one is that it's just hard to know what's going on sometimes. You know, you know when when you get like an error in in the terminal and you just sort of, you got loads of stuff scrolling up through the terminal and all of a sudden you get all this stuff that just starts like it's like it's spitting out all these messages at you and I'm just kind of like whoa 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 whoa, whoa what's going on? I can't I can't make sense of this. And then you kind yeah. of have to decipher everything. Um, it can kind of feel a bit bewildering. It almost um, almost feels a little bit like the old. Uh, computers that would sort of spit out literal sort of reams of paper you know <laughs> yeah, you kind of got to go back through all of that i mean i feel a little wary saying all of this given that our audience is probably mostly programmers <laughs> developers but um I, I just look at the command line and think in 2018 why why are we still doing this but again i, I should stress that like in the ways that i need to use the command line can actually translate quite well to a GUI, whereas maybe other people that their use cases are, are totally different. So yeah, I I am keeping that in mind. Um, but for me, I, I think I can uh, I can sort of get away with with using GUIs, and I I much much prefer it. How, how about you? Like in your day to day job, in what you do, how do you find it? Yeah, so in my day to day, I think um, I use the command line quite a lot, really. Um, it's it's almost this sort of reflexive kind of muscle memory for the things that I use it for. Um, so to that degree, I don't feel the friction that you're describing, but only when I'm really doing the tasks that I'm I'm sort of you know well drilled on. So uh, I think for probably a bit better perspective is how I actually use the computer as well. So I'm one of these people that that types for everything. Um, I'll press spotlight both on my phone and on my Mac, to, to access files. Um, I'll press Command-Shift um, and G, I believe it is, muscle memory again, um, in Finder to um, give me the, the kind of run box where I can put um, a path into, uh, usually because I've got one in my, my pasteboard to then chuck straight into there from somewhere else. Um, so the command line is something that I'm sort of using um, quite naturally, but again, it's quite naturally for specific tasks. You know, like for me, it's things like um, running Cartage to pull down my dependencies. Um, I'm trying to think now sort of exactly what else goes on there. Cartage is the big one. Um, And then just sort of navigating um, between some of the folders that I've got different um, projects inside of. Um, I'll use the handy little open command that is available there, which then pushes stuff straight out to Finder. So if you're in a, a directory, you can sort of just do open space dot and then Finder will boot up and it's in the directory that you're in. Um, but it's probably fair to say I'm not using the command line to sort of do everything. You know, I'm not using it to do text editing. I'm not a, a big uh, BI or Emacs person or anything like that. Yeah, um, I know, <laughs> yeah, so I know people who, especially people who've come from a server-based background, a, a Linux background, um, you know, there, there's um, an awful lot that you can get out of those tools if you've had spent the time to learn them. Um, but for me, that's not something I've needed to do. So I'm, I'm not editing text files there beyond maybe booting up Nano for something really, really small. Um, but again... It's usually these days. It's usually things like editing uh, things like .md files, readmes, release notes, that sort of stuff, and 
it's a toss-up between whether it's easier to just open it straight up in Xcode or just hit nano and, and add a couple of lines to a file. But uh, again, that's that's about as far as it goes in terms of editing stuff in the command line for me. So I'm using it and it's there, but I'm not sure I'm always getting the value out of it. And I think I'd like to explore, well, okay, what happens when I sort of start to use it in a more advanced way? What What am I doing there and what's going on there? Because I think that kind of unlocks a little bit of perspective on perhaps where things could go. Because I I guess I, I look at the command line and I think, well, what are the real benefits? What am I getting out of this um, versus using GUIs and that sort of stuff? And I think the big point for me with, with the command line is that you can chain tools together. So if you know enough about the commands that you're using and and kind of how to pipe things from one one program to another um these small command line utilities that when they go wrong are spitting out chunks and chunks and chunks of text um suddenly become really really powerful because you can interoperate them together and i think that's that's really the big selling point for unix in general really it's i remember um reading something way back when i was getting into linux it was sort of describing it as um lots of small applications that you know you can you can chain and you can make sort of sing and dance and, and work together um and that's that's the power of it so with a few sort of basic commands to chain the command line starts to come come alive and provided you know you know the commands to chain then you can start to get a lot of value there so what what does that really mean for me well we've we've used this in the past for a couple of things um in terms of editing the podcast i think i've got a a couple of scripts that do a couple of things um for example i knocked up one that makes us the the youtube videos yeah um, yeah yeah so that that invokes ffmpeg um and that's again like it's it's only a couple of steps uh but it, it, it you feed it in the um the output that we've made for the podcast and it, it grabs the image that we put and, and it tells ffmpeg to go and produce as an mp4 file um that's not always the best quality of outputs but it's certainly a quick one that, that we can use um so where was i well the command line's given us Lots and lots of, of um, ability to sort of chain all these smaller applications. And that's something that you can't necessarily do with a GUI application. Yeah, because the interfaces between GUI applications have to be quite sort of specifically defined. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that there is an interface within macOS. This is where things like Apple Scripts sort of kicks in and using Automator and that side of stuff. But I'm aware that that's, that's kind of outgoing. Yeah, you know, it definitely seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so what have we got? Well, this is where I start looking at things like shortcuts on iOS. So what's coming down in iOS 12? And I wonder, well, is that kind of like the next step for sort of interoperating apps? You know, if if, if for me, if I'm isolating the sort of true value underneath the command line as being this interoperability between applications and the ability to sort of feed things from one into the other well does shortcuts kind of represent that and i mean putting to one side the other sort of power with the command line is as i was saying before the ability to just sort of type you know an interface with the computer in that way 
um, you know, I think that there could be other other tools to do that with things like shortcuts. You know, it, it sort of feels to me like it's possible to create some sort of new terminal, for example, that lets you sort of start chaining shortcut commands together. No, I think you're absolutely right. It it almost does seem like kind of like it could be the thing that not for everybody, but for a lot of people, it could almost replace the terminal. Um, kind of like a terminal 2.0 it's, it's like a GUI'd terminal in a way um, yes. if, if all the apps come on board and start um, I think the terminology is that you sort of donate um, certain parts of your app to the system which then exposes them to the system um, then like you were saying um, about GUIs kind of being a bit walled off from each other well if our apps are now sort of donating certain bits of functionality to the system then the shortcut system can sort of pipe them together um, yep. and, and create something really quite powerful. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm thinking about people that I know that um, use iOS, specifically iPads. Um, and I, I, I know for a fact that the terminal would, would just you know, scare the living daylights out of them. Um, and it would, you, you could never get them to use it. But I think if you could show them something like shortcuts, um, I think there's, it's kind of like the appetite within them for for a little bit more than what they're currently getting from iOS, uh, and, that, and that could be really quite profound. I think um, not not for maybe so much people that are already really into the terminal and things like that, but um, if you could see that um, kind of shortcut based model translate into macOS as well, um, that, yeah, that that could be really something. And I, I think what really needs to be nailed there is how these things are set up and how these things are, are configured needs to kind of be the same between platforms and that sort of thing as well. Because one of the sort of true powers, I think, within the command line and certainly within a, a, a Unix-based or Unix-like command line um, is that once you've learned a few commands, you know you, you know it and it's, um, it's the same on any other system. And I think that's where some people really come from when they prefer the command line. It's that they've learned this suite of tools and they don't really need to think about anything else. Um, so I guess anything that shortcuts represents has to kind of be a similar sort of thing after a point or the flow has to be very, very similar. So if, I, if I've got a flow on uh, of, of shortcuts chained together on, um, on the iPad um, and I'm using that and that's giving me power, I want to be able to sort of bring the same thing straight over to the Mac. Um, I think that's a, a bigger topic and a bigger field in some ways. That sort of boils into, well, marzipan and that sort of stuff. You know, like in terms of, well, if shortcuts are dependent on the apps, then the apps need to exist on both systems. The way they present their shortcuts needs to be the same on both systems as well. Um, but this becomes very quickly and very rapidly um, if this does become a kind of um, almost like you say, a command line 2.0, then, um, I, yeah, like I say, I guess there needs to be a, a kind of watch eye from Apple in terms of making this something that people can kind of build a muscle memory of it around. You know, mm. it's got to be something that feels feels intuitive, feels natural, but equally if I've learnt it over on, on the iPad, let's not have like, you know, five steps there and then 20 steps and a load of different um, names for them all over on macOS. It sort of yeah. feels like something that needs to be the same. It does feel like the Mac's already kind of a couple of steps behind as well. 
just in the sense a it doesn't have it right now but like you were saying with um things like ui kit on the mac potentially being like a route in terms of apps being able to to do things um yeah that does worry me almost in the same way that series kind of always catching up on the mac yep i wouldn't want to see shortcuts in the same kind of predicament although it does make you wonder whether you could kind of see like shortcuts in the cloud at some point yes um potentially and this is just me thinking out loud so you're on your phone and you've got some kind of shortcut running things locally on your phone then one of the steps requires your say iMac um, and then it can kind of go off and do some heavy lifting on the iMac maybe using a piece of software that's only available on Mac but nevertheless can still pass the result back to your phone Um, and again that could maybe all happen seamlessly within iCloud in terms of the passing of the data backwards and forwards and sort of waking up the Mac, maybe if it's in a sleep or something. Um, yeah, there's there's some real power to be had here. Um, I, I, I think that it, it could unlock a lot of things for a lot of people that have been put off by the command line. I mean, I'm a developer, and I don't like the command line. <laughs> you know, I'll just say that now. So people that aren't kind of into tech in the same way that I am, um, as far as I'm concerned, they don't really <laughs> stand a chance in a lot of ways if I'm finding it, if I'm having a hard time to kind of sort of accept it as a as a thing i should be doing more of i'm trying to get rid of it wherever i can um yeah i mean i look kind of look at my situation and i look at what i use it for and it's kind of um git cocoa pods maybe vagrant sort of did used to run sort of web dev tools through it um and just wherever i can i'm just handing it off to guis i don't see the value that i'm getting from the command line other than kind of just running stuff um when there, there are guis that do really good jobs and again that's not going to be the case for everybody i understand that but yeah i still think there's something to be said there that if me as a developer is kind of like well, no i'm not too keen on it then regular people hmm, no no chance i think shortcuts is is definitely a way to kind of bring that power to the masses okay we'll call that a wrap if you've enjoyed today's show it'd be great if you could leave us a review on itunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in overcast by hitting that star button that will help us reach even more like-minded people Um, also we have our slack channel we'd love to invite you to join our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out if you'd like to join uh, just leave us a message on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so dave before we run off where can people find you you can find me on Twitter at DW Roboheads. That's Robohead spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at Roboheads.com. Again, that's Robohead spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.